Nicolas Bornos of Capital Inc. again, and I would like to welcome you to uh, the panel, the session on chemical tankers maintaining sector leadership. Norwegian uh, ship owners have been uh, greatly involved with uh, the chemical tankers segment. Uh, so indeed, uh, the, the title maintaining sector leadership is particularly fitting. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Clarkson's for uh, putting together and moderating this panel, uh, Christopher Eitzen. Uh, we have a great relationship with Clarkson's working together on, on many, uh, in many of our forums. So Christopher, thank you for uh, inviting everybody. I would like to also extend a tremendous thanks to all the uh, panelists for, uh, we have a top, top uh, panel. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm very proud of this panel as well as of the overall forum. And without any more delay, I will turn it over to uh, Christopher. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Uh, I'll just get the presentation up on the screen as well. I think you should be seeing in a minute. Can you see there? I think you can see the screen. Thank you very much, everyone, for, for signing in to this uh, chemical tanker panel discussion. Uh, as mentioned by Nicholas, the title is Maintaining Sector Leadership. And I think just a, I'm just going to give a brief introduction before all the panelists uh, give a brief introduction about themselves and the company. So the, the Norwegian European companies uh, have a long heritage within chemical tankers, both owning and operating assets. The sector provides vital part for today's society uh, and the fundamentals or argument plays for a new and exciting period. Now they're going into post COVID-19. So uh, I think we'll start by introducing uh, Axel Eitzen. Uh, if you could give a few words about yourself uh, and Christiana Shipping before passing the word over to Christian. Thank you very much. <clears throat> My name is Axel Eitzen. I've been owning and running shipping companies, being Julian Eitzen, Camilo Eitzen & Co, including Eitzen Chemical, and now Christiana Shipping for more than 40 years. We've done 32 acquisitions in the shipping worldwide markets over these years. In Christiania Shipping, we run industrial-based chemical ship owning and operating company in the smallest chemical tanker space. We have around 20 vessels of three and a half to 12,600 ton dead weight size, both coated and stainless steel tankers. Our industrial COAs are predominantly on the European and West African coast, at this point in time. In this challenging market we are, presently, we are presently in, we have an EBITDA run rate of approximately 1 million US dollars every month. Thank you. Christian? Oh, yeah. Okay, my name is Christian Merck. I'm the CEO of uh, Artfield SE. We are leading a chemical tanker owner and operator, and we also own and operate onshore terminals and key uh, chemical hubs uh, around the world. We are listed on the Oslo Stock Exchange, and uh, over the last five years or so, we have been working to transform the company. So today we believe that we stand on the strongest platform in our industry. I'm sure that there's a few panelists that will disagree with that statement, but that's how we see it. We have recently been concluding the, last, the largest fleet renewal program in the history of our company. So today we have the most energy efficient 
and uh, and uh, most energy efficient fleet uh, in our industry. I think that's it. I hand it over to Mark. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Mark O'Neill. I'm CEO of Columbia Ship Management. About two weeks ago, we were very proud to announce the joint venture, the merger between Ctrans and Columbia Ship Management to form a, 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 a Scandinavian ship management company under the name of Stodig uh, Ship Management, which I'm reliably informed uh, means stable. And, and the reasons for that we'll talk about uh, later, but uh, we see this as a fantastic opportunity for us in a market uh, that we have very, very close contacts with, and we're able to bring uh, quality third-party or second-party ship management to bear in that market. So exciting times. Thank you. I'll hand over to Hans. Thank you, Mark. Uh, my name is uh, Hans Solberg. I'm the CEO of Hansa Tankers, which uh, I run together with uh, Mr. Torfin Eide. The company, which is based in Bergen in Norway, started its operation 10 years ago by forming a pool that today is consisting of 10 different owners participating with 46 chemical tankers sized between 19 and 33,000 dead weight, all with cargoes made of stainless steel. The last year turnover was just below US dollar 400 million. And um, the ships that we're operating, they are trading worldwide. The number of ships and their capacity places among the world's largest fleets within this segment uh, after Odshell and Stolt Nielsen, which are also present in this debate, and the Japanese MOL group. The Bjorn Reba group here in Bergen was a founding partner in Hansa Tankers, participating today with 10 ships, of which seven of them are wholly owned. Investor groups put together with uh, local-based tailwind management and Hansa tankers have over the last couple of years acquired four chemical tankers in the second-end market, all placed in the pool. So the other pool partners are Midgar, which is a joint venture between American investment fund Waisata and Hansa tankers. It's uh, initial shipping of Tokyo. It's the Bokem CMB from Belgium. It's uh, the K-Line Group from Japan and Singapore. It's Manavi from Italy. It's Utkielen based here in Bergen. And it's uh, Songa Chemical Tankers and TRF, both of them based in Oslo. Then Lucas, it's your turn. Thank you very much, uh, Hans. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, having me at this uh, panel. My name is uh, uh, Lucas Voss, uh, calling in from uh, Amsterdam, where I live. Um, I'm uh, president of uh, Stoll Tankers, uh, have only been so for one and a half years, so arguably the least experienced person here on, uh, on the screen. However, I have a long background in, in shipping. I've been in, on the container side for, for 20 years, starting with NetLoyd, then became Pino NetLoyd. And I ended up at, uh, at Maersk, uh, where I, my last job was the Chief Commercial Officer of, uh, of Maersk Line. Uh, really enjoyed it, uh, but was also happy to step out for a while. Went into the flower business, which you do as a Dutchman. Uh, you need to have a stint in that, uh, in that uh, segment. But uh, shipping pulled me back in, and I'm happy to be at, uh, at Stolt Nielsen right now, uh, president of Stolt Tankers. Um, we're the largest uh, operator in, in our segment, uh, not only on the deep sea uh, side, but we also have our regional services. And indeed, I would argue with Christian that I think we have the best platform in our uh, industry. You rightfully predicted that. 
at the end of the day, it's our customers that will uh, decide that question, I guess, uh, who, is, uh, who is the best uh, performing. Uh, I'm happy to be here and to talk about uh, maintaining uh, sector leadership uh, with you together. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone for, for that brief introduction and thank you for dialing in. And I agree with Nicholas uh, that we have a, a great panel here to discuss the, the chemical tanker market. Uh, the intention is to touch upon a few topics and discuss sort of the sector potential, some recent trends and also some pitfalls. Uh, we'll cover some of the demand and supply dynamics, as well as some, some asset, uh, some things that have been happening on the asset side, as well as valuations in the capital market and also some co consolidation issues or topics. So I think we'll start briefly looking at demand. And I think we don't want to go into too much detail. Chemical tankers is a very... Um, it's a very uh, intensive industry with a lot of focus on margins and, and a lot of it's a lot more industrial than many other shipping segments. Um, and I think in general, as a house view, Clarkson's is very favorable on tankers at the moment. It's, it's all the way from, from the large crude carriers to product tankers and also down to chemicals. We think we have a, a fantastic foundation to build upon. And we think we're going to see a period where there's a lot of potential going forward. So just as a general view, uh, we're very positive about the space. And yeah, as mentioned, we don't want to go into too much detail today. Uh, we just want to briefly give a backdrop of the demand and the supply before we look into more topics that's, that's sort of happening in the chemical tanker space uh, um, today. So... So I guess starting as a big picture, focusing on the, on the forest and not the trees, the chemical tanker space is highly correlated to the specialized products or the specialized products highly correlated to the world GDP. We can see there's a 0.9 correlation, meaning that if the GDP uh, is expected to grow, so is the special products trade. And as we see on the graph on the middle, uh, uh, the the expected GDP growth uh, provided as a consensus forecast by IMF is expected to be 5.8% in 2021 and 4.1% in 2022. Thereby, if you look at the, the graph on the right-hand side, you can see that we estimate that this will uh, positively affect the demand of, of the uh, key uh, products for the chemical sector, uh, chemical tanker space. Uh, and that's sort of the, the backdrop that we think is very interesting uh, going into to sort of the post-COVID uh, phase of, of the, the industry. And I guess, uh, Christian, uh, Oddfield has also been, been positive on, on sort of the demand outlook and, and especially on sort of cargo-specific dynamics. Uh, so I wanted to ask you initially sort of to give a sort of overview of, of why Oddfell is optimistic on the demand side uh, for, for the chemical tanker space. Yeah, no, I think uh, we share the view that there's a very strong demand story. I think the, this, the graph you're showing here on the left side correlates uh, number of tons to GDP. And I think that's kind of been the old rule of thumb. You've been looking at a GDP with a factor. But I think what this does not take into account is the ton mile. And you have seen recently and still very much today that demand, uh, that uh, supply of a product or production of product is, is being centered in the US and in the Middle East. So that means that the chemicals will travel over longer distances. So that means that you will probably have a, a demand side that's more resilient to downturns in GDP than it has been. And it's also, it's also why we believe that, that uh, the demand for chemical tankers will grow faster than GDP. Uh, we believe that it's going to grow 
compounded around, uh, let's say, 3 4% over the coming years. In the very short term, near term, uh, however, I think we are even actually more optimistic. You always have to be careful when you are that. But when you look at the industrial production and the demand for goods at the moment, um, uh, and, and at the same time, you see that that inventory for chemicals in Asia has been dropping quite dramatically over the last six months. I think there's reason to believe that in the next, say, six to 12 months that you're going to see a, a, a significant pickup in demand. We're expecting as high as maybe up to 6% uh, starting from the second half of this year. So I think there are some pretty interesting dynamics. And when, when you take that in, in combination with the supply picture, then I think it has some quite interesting ingredients for a potential upturn. Fantastic. And I guess sort of uh, what, what, what do you think initially is this the, the key pitfalls that, that could hinder sort of an effect uh, going into 2020 and beyond, 2021 and beyond? No, I think it would be a mistake to think that that, uh, that demand is not uh, a function of, of economic growth. So if you do have a, a real uh, uh, correction or a, a downturn depression in, in, in the industry, in, in the world economy, of course, we will be hit. Uh, I, I think, you know, I have been quite surprised in terms of how resilient demand has been despite of COVID and a, and a world that's just a weird world around us. And still, it continues to grow. So um, I think the biggest fear is by far that there's going to be a correction in the world economy. Other, other than that, I think there's some structural, very healthy signs in, in the demand side. Very good. Thank you, Christian. And then, then just to briefly look on the supply side, I know you mentioned a little bit already, and I think some of these slides support your arguments as well. Uh, starting on, on the left-hand side, there has been an, an increasing average haul for the specialist fleet. Uh, since, especially since 2019, both for, for the U US and the Middle East. And essentially what this does, it, it sort of uh, reduces the supply as the assets spend more time at sea and are less able to pick up more cargo. Uh, similarly, uh, as mentioned in the sort of opening, Clarkson's are very positive on the whole tanker space in general. Uh, and as we can see from the middle slide, the correlation between the the product tankers and the chemical tankers is 0.7, meaning that when if there is a, a upswing in the product tankers as well, then that should have a ripple effect on the chemical tankers as more assets take up their, their original cargoes instead of eating into the sort of uh, smaller cargoes from the, from the chemical tanker segment. And also adding to that, we also have, as, as sort of is the, the picture in many shipping segments today, where we have a very low order book. Uh, we have the same in, in the chemical tanker space. There is a high amount of, of vessels that were delivered around the financial crisis. Uh, so we have, have an aging, aging fleet, which is not being renewed at, at, the, at the same rate as it's being scrapped. Uh, and we also have further scrapping candidates. So, so, so the net result is that we have a negative fleet growth going into the next few years. Um, and as mentioned, sort of, Similarly to the other industries, the, the net fleet growth and, and a lack of new builds is somewhat due to the, the, the new propulsion, new regulations. People are hesitant to order without knowing exactly what to order. Uh, and sort of that's something that we can definitely see in the chemical tanker space as well. So I think, I think these three aspects really uh, underpin what, what uh, that, that the the supply side is not there to ruin the positive dynamics we see on the demand side and that Christian just discussed. So I think arguably we have a very favorable demand and supply backdrop for the chemical tanker industry. 
Uh, and that's why I want to, to hand the word over to you, Hans, um, to, to sort of have your views on, on, do you think the chemical tanker market is, uh, is on track to be a favorite industry, uh, given sort of some of the discussion points we had today and, and the market dynamics in general? Thank you, Christopher, for, for asking. And uh, yes, uh, absolutely. I um, I share the positive view that uh, Christian just was talking about. Uh, that those are the macros of the world, and they are, uh, if not facts yet, they are they are good uh, predictions of of how things will will come. And um, we just have now to get the world back in a, a normal situation. Uh, and there is a lot of potential uh, of use and consume that uh, I'm sure will, will surface a, a lot of uncovered demand that uh, will come come back to to the surface. And um, yes, we, we have, as, as you mentioned, uh, Christopher, we, we have the, the swing tonnage, uh, uh, the influence from, from them that uh, has been present for some time, but uh, there is also a positive outlook in that uh, segment. And we should be careful in putting the blame on the MR tankers or the owners of Amatonis that they are eating or stealing from, from uh, our table. The situation is that uh, they are in as bad situation as the chemical uh, <coughs> tanker segment. And uh, the moment that there will be an upswing, uh, they will disappear. They, they are not in this segment because they uh, necessarily want to, but uh, because they have to in lack of, of, of others. Uh, and I'm <coughs> convinced that, um, that uh, when we see a better terms for, for, for them that uh, they will disappear to a great extent as uh, competitors from the, the chemical tanker owners that are represented here and, and that, uh, that we are facing. So um, uh, the, the outlook is uh, uh, good. It, it is positive. It may be difficult to see it now that uh, the market has been uh, depressed for close to, to a year, but uh, uh, looking ahead, uh, uh, th there are uh, inevitable signs that are uh, showing that th there will be uh, upswing coming. Fantastic. Thank you for, for that insight. Uh, and I guess, uh, Mark, uh, what, what, what was this Colombia's view on, on sort of the performance optimization and sort of the, the third party ship management? And, and how do you sort of see the, the industry uh, given the sort of the demand and supply backdrop? Well, thanks, first of all, uh, Christopher, for inviting me and thanks to, to Capital Link. I, I'm in awe of the uh, uh, the panel that we have here. I'm not sure I, I, I qualify to be on that same panel. I, I think we're here more um, by virtue of what we will become rather than uh, what we, we are at present. I mean, we as a, a ship manager have always looked at the chemical tanker sector as a very specialized, very niche, very uh, expensive uh, sector. And as a business, uh, Columbia has a, um, a mantra handed down from our chairman that we won't touch any sector unless, unless we're absolutely certain we can perform and operate the vessels at least as well as any of the leading operators and most importantly that we can do so in a more optimized 
and uh, cost-effective, efficient manner. And up until now, we've had to turn down many opportunities that have come our way for management, third party, second parties, we prefer to call it management of uh, what we call hard chemical uh, vessels, simply because it, we, we couldn't satisfy that mantra and, and those criteria. We now believe we can in our joint venture with CTRANS, where we are bringing together the, the DNA of a, a quality first-class uh, hard chemical tanker operator uh, uh, and the quality of, uh, hopefully, the perceived quality of Columbia ship management and all of the digitalizations and, and uh, economies of scale uh, that we can bring to bear. So rather than taking um, Mohammed to the mountain, we're moving the mountain to Mohammed and we're saying, right, if we want to set up a, a chemical tanker management expertise within Colombia, that is going to cost us a lot of money. We're going to have to engage a lot of expensive people, a lot of teams to do that, which arguably will make us more expensive than the leading individual, uh, leading individuals on this panel and, and their companies who, let's face it, nobody does hard chemicals better than the Norwegians stroke Scandinavians. No one does. So we appreciated that. And rather than trying to set up our own teams, we thought we would uh, join forces with a quality operator and then bring in our levels, our scales of economies, our technologies, our performance optimizations to that expert, existing expertise. And that by that way, we can achieve levels of optimization that we've been able to achieve in other sectors. And we believe also that will apply to the offshore sector in Scandinavia, for want of a better word, um, uh, and also other sectors operating there. Performance optimization is key. And what we've seen uh, for, through looking at this sector for quite some time is that, yes, it's expert. Yes, it's uh, highly technical, but it's probably not that profitable because of the cost, because of the high cost and the expertise required. You need to somehow bring in uh, the economies of scale and the levels of technology, et cetera, that perhaps some of the larger uh, third-party managers and larger th uh, operators uh, can bring to bear. And that's where we see now a fantastic opportunity through Stodig. But it, it is a challenge. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for those viewpoints. I think that that is definitely, I agree that there is definitely room for, for improvement in, in terms of sort of technology and, and digitalization in, in the chemical tanker space. And it's a space that's been, I guess it, it's a margin space where, where, where everything matters. Uh, so it's important to, to get all the, the stepping stones in the right place in order to, to pull out the margins and profits. So, so and, and, inc and incidentally, I, I would offer any of the uh, the, the, the fine companies on this panel, the opportunity to use uh, our performance optimization control room, irrespective of any other services, just as a, as a sample of the optimization you can achieve. I have to say that on all sectors in which we operate, we've been staggered by the levels of optimization which are achievable. And uh, I know everybody claims their product is market leading, but this, this, this product really is market leading. We spent 2 million bucks on, on developing it and it is transformational on all sectors that we've applied it to from super yachts to cruise ships through all of the various other commercial shipping sectors. So the invitation is there, try it out, have a go. No one, uh, no one is, is, will get an advantage or be at a disadvantage through using it. It's, it's absolutely complex compartmentalized perfect thank you very much for the for that mark and, and i believe did you raise your hand uh, lucas 
Well, I, yeah, I just wanted to, to support that. I, I think you know, Christian's outlook on, on the demand is, is exactly right. I don't see a lot of things on the horizon, except if we can't pull countries like India and Brazil out of the COVID crisis, uh, of course. Um, but that's not where we show leadership, because that's where we're sort of at the mercy of the markets. On the supply side is where we can show uh, leadership, and that we don't go into this, um, in this frenzy that's happening on the container side and on, on, on the breakout side, and that we show some, some restraint. So I think here we can show, but also to Mark's point, really leadership is indeed about looking at the supply chain and how we can take those efficiencies out. And primarily, and I think that would be for me the main point, is, is to become a lot more customer focused than this industry seems to be today. If there's anything where the Nordic um, countries can take the lead, it's, it's becoming more uh, customer centric, use the supply chain uh, tools that Mark is, is describing and really take, take the lead and show some restraints on the supply side. Very good, thank you. Thank you for those comments, Lucas, and, and thank you I think that sort of gives a good backdrop for, for the, the supply and, and, and demand dynamics and, and also some of the, the elements that the industry in general needs to, to focus on going forward. So I think uh, that brings us to the next topic, which, which we're going to discuss a little bit on asset values. And, and I think we want to, to sort of introduce this topic. Uh, I want to look at a sort of a case study from containers, uh, which I find very interesting. And... And it's sort of to underpin sort of the, the, the thinking that, that everything is um, sort of outdated from, from earlier phases. So, so for example, in, in shipping in general, there's been this notion that, that sort of the older tonnage is, is, is not as efficient, not as economical to run. Uh, it's not as um, uh, efficient in terms of emissions, uh, meaning that it would never... Uh, be valued at the new building parity curve, and they will already be valued at the discount to the new building new building parity curve, as or the the new tonnage uh, has has had such an improvement to the old tonnage. But but what's interesting is that uh, just under under a year ago, uh, we had a very similar asset curve, uh, a, a sort of a convex asset curve uh, from the secondhand prices to the new building parity in the containers. And what we see today after containers that had a phenomenal run basically from summer last year, and there's been an enormous recovery in the container segment and it's looking to, 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 to go on for a while as well. We can see that the asset curves has, has moved from a, con, from a sort of convex to a concave where actually the, the, the second hand values are, are valued at higher than the new building curve. Uh, illustrating sort of that when, when you get cash flows uh, that are significantly higher than, than asset values will follow uh, despite sort of the criticism of older tonnage being less efficient and less economical and, 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 and not optimal size or, or, or any of the other critics, we can see sort of that it definitely moves in the right direction once the recovery comes along. So I think that with that as a backdrop, looking at the chemical tanker segment, there's definitely a similar notion here that older tonnage is less efficient and maybe the sizes are not as optimal and so that sort of brings the question uh, and, and I'll bring the word over uh, to you Lucas sort of you recently added added five vessels to your fleet as well uh, some 26,000 tons from CTG uh, 2016-27 built 
And sort of what what are your views on on sort of this asset asset topic, and and how do you see sort of the the different sizes going forward in terms of earnings, which I guess underpins the asset values in some way. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think it's an interesting question. Interesting what's happening in the container side. Uh, arguably, uh, you know, last year a lot of uh, tonnage was laid up, uh, so that would not uh, enhance the value of uh, of that tonnage. And of course, it's all in the water right now. Um, and, and indeed, that earning potential is uh, is driving uh, uh, the valuation. I would, however, not like to be a customer now of a container uh, company because the service levels are just not that good. So you also have to ask yourself how how sustainable. Uh, that is. Um, I think if I look a little bit higher, I think the overall issue for shipping in general is that um, the returns on equity are just not good enough. Um, and there may be companies that do extremely well on it, and that's great. But overall, we have just put too much assets in, in the water for the return that it, uh, that it provides. Um, so my preferred option right now would be indeed to just focus indeed on what's already on the water. And see how you can add that to your own uh, own fleet. And indeed, and the CTG ships, uh, the, the five ships that we took on, is a good example. Uh, sort of distressed assets, the owner really wanted to get out, um, and for us, a great opportunity to put it in. It fits nicely with uh, with the fleet, and then um, and be able to grow um, our, our network in that way, and make sure that we can deliver value to the customers uh, with that tonnage instead of maybe now going to, to the new builds uh, markets. Um, and it's the big conundrum that everybody here on the screen is, uh, is facing. We also know that new build prices are still favorable. So at the end of the day, uh, success of a ship is, is defined for 50, 60% on what, what, what did it cost you when you got it into the fleet. So that's the big uh, conundrum. Um, I think for now it, it's it's time it's good to to wait on to wait hold on um, understand where the future propulsion is going and then maybe uh, uh, go for it because as I said I think what's happening on the container side they are destroying their own future markets uh, yet again uh, and it would be great if we did not do that on the uh, on the chemical side. Well, thank you, thank you for that, and 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 Axel, what. Christiania has has an, a, a bit of a varied age profile in their fleet as well. What are your views on sort of the 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 optimal uh, older or, or newer tonnage uh, scenario or question? Well, I think we've seen this before in the market. When the yield improve, the values improve, and the share price improve, and uh, it's very positive. And I think it's very encouraging in the in the container market. And I very much believe that the same could happen uh, with, uh, with, with the chemical uh, space. In Kistiania, we have an average uh, eight, 12 years on, uh, on our core fleet. Uh, old, but uh, did, did we lose uh, Axel? I think so. Okay, I think uh, we we will come back to to some of his his comments later. Then, if he's able to to rejoin, so then I think we'll 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 pause it on on the the asset side and and move over to 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 valuation. And I think here it's it's an interesting development or or a an interesting finding that that sort of the the chemical tankers space has has been 
somewhat undervalued compared to, for example, the product tankers, as we see in this scenario. Uh, and I think, uh, and it has been for, for, for quite some time as well, even if you pull the, the, the time series back even further, we can see that they have they've had the tendency to be, to be underpriced in terms of a P&R valuation. So, so I think that that brings us over to you, Christian. Uh, as you mentioned, you've had a, a, a large fleet renewal program and you're in a good position now to generate cash. Uh, so why, why do you think sort of uh, Oddfill and, and, and Stolt as well have, have been trading at such a discount to NAV? And, and is, is, is it the metric doesn't fit fits or the segment? Or, or what, what are your views on that? Well, I, I don't think you can blame the industry or the sector, really. I think uh, it has a lot of things going for it. I mean, we are much more industrial shipping. Uh, we are much more providing real logistical services to our customers, which means that you have basically, you're protected from the downside. We have seen that over time, whereas you are actually exposed to the upside if you're not overly contracted. Uh, we saw that in the second quarter of 2019. You have a very strong demand story. You have a very strong supply uh, story. You have a fairly well consolidated market. Uh, uh, you have barriers to entry and all that. So I don't think the answer to the question lies in the, in the sector. I, I think you, you have to look at the companies and then I cannot speak for, for Stolt Nielsen, but in terms of Otfield, I, I think it, it has to do with two things. First of all, we, we have a very illiquid share and we have that mainly because it's a very closely held share and that's kind of a repellent on, on a share if it doesn't trade a lot. And at the same time, we have not had a clear dividend policy and we have not paid dividends for, for, for stable dividends for a while. And, and then the second thing is that we have just not performed well. Um, but the fact that we haven't performed well in the past does not mean that we cannot perform well going forward. I think for Otfield, at least we believe that, that, uh, that, that we were just not efficient in the way that we engaged in our markets. I mean, we have had way too much uh, cost. We had inefficient assets. We had a... Uh, not a really good uh, kind of logistical, efficient way of looking at our business. Uh, I think, as, as I mentioned before, we are a liner company more than we are a tanker company. And we've been working very hard to reverse that. So today we have, if you look at cost per unit, if you look at the CO2 emission per unit, if you look at the uh, fuel consumption per unit and so on, we stand on a very, very strong, uh, strong platform. So it has, it has all the right ingredients, but I think for us, the missing piece is really the top line. And I think that's going to come from two places. First of all, it's going to come from a market where I think the market is going to be with us for the coming period, and it was against us in the period just behind us. And secondly, it's going to come from how do we engage in those markets. And it's, 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 it's a little bit of a mystery to me why this, sector, this industry has been so focused on contracts, and we've been falling over ourselves to sell ourselves, sell all our capacity one or two years forward in reality. Uh, that we have maybe forgotten how to uh, to uh, intelligently price uh, our 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 businesses. So I think for us we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a different view on it. We are we are not gonna be selling our capacity forward at, at a loss. We just cannot make a living that way. And if that means that we're gonna expose ourselves a little bit more than we have been, then well then we're gonna live with that. And we think that's a good uh, that's a good decision. But uh, but that was a very long-winded way of saying that I, I don't think that the NAV discount is warranted. Uh, I think there are some very good arguments for the industry itself. But the only thing we can do as a company is to perform and to show to, to our investors that we can continue to perform. And then it's going to be the equity markets and the investors that they make the decision uh, to, to move that needle. Uh, but we think it will. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Christian. And I agree. It's sort of the 
being able to to constantly earn is definitely something investors value and uh, and i guess uh, looking at you uh, uh, stolt nielsen uh, to crystal values uh, you 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 communicated they're going to spin off the fish farm business and also stole tankers so how do you uh, believe this is going to affect sort of the pricing of, of both i guess the the old co and, and new co so to speak yeah um well first of all uh, let me say i agree with with christian i think it's uh, it's primarily the illiquidity of the of both uh, shares uh, with uh, both families wanting to maintain uh, control um and indeed it's uh, i know my shareholder is primarily looking looking at, at the dividends and and if that's that flow is okay then he is uh, he's happy <laughs> um uh, as to your question, I think it's um, um, it's a desire for Stolt Nielsen to grow all its businesses. Yeah, so it's not only Stolt Tankers, but it's also the terminal side, it's the tank containers, uh, and indeed it's also the, uh, uh, the, the sea farm. And for that, it's, it's viewed that we need to have more equity in the company. And then it makes most sense that you take a Stolt Tankers out, or uh, Stolt Nielsen will remain the main shareholder, but with, that we're going to stand on our own two feet. I think we're, we are about half of the group's uh, size. Uh, and indeed, it, it is also driven by the fact to bring out the value of the other business units. There is the, uh, the conglomerate discount uh, on Stolt Nielsen. So if you were to take stall tankers out, the valuation of, uh, of the terminals would be, uh, that would become apparent. And that could be very attractive to uh, the share of, uh, of stall Nielsen. Similar thing for the sea farm indeed, as you rightfully said, uh, sea farm is such a small part of uh, the stall Nielsen group that's seen as this, this infrastructure logistics uh, company. Uh, and it's an odd thing. If you look at the valuation of separate sea farming companies, it's way, way higher. So to just show that the value is there, that Stolt Nielsen is able to create uh, value for its, its shareholder, it's very important to do that. And then, indeed, it's similar for, uh, for Stolt Tankers. We've, clearly, we've had our uh, discussions with the banks, and everybody says that a clean play chemical logistics company is an attractive um, uh, can be an attractive share out there, and particularly with indeed the market as we see it now uh, developing. So personally, I see it as um, as both good for the main share of Stolt Nielsen as well as for Stolt Tankers if we if we can do the IPO. When we do it, of course, is very much driven by um, by our own performance because I think as, as Christian says, I would mirror that our performance has not been where it should be. Uh, so we really need to work on, on our EBITDA numbers. We do take a different strategy. So we, we, uh, that, that's interesting that we take different views on that. It's a different strategy, but we need to focus on that. And then, of course, we're in the hands of the capital markets. Uh, and um, uh, who knows when that window is, uh, is open. But uh, yeah. That's, that's well, thank I'm... you. Thank you very much, uh, Lucas and Christian. I think that, that gave a good overview of sort of some of the the problems that have been maybe hindering the stocks from from running and, and that there's definitely room for for upside and that there might be possible ways to, to crystallize them so i think that takes us over to, to the last uh, the last section and and i guess since we lost axel earlier you feel free to to add anything on the sort of assets here as well and i think hans also raised his hand uh, on the asset side so uh with uh, we only have five five minutes left so I think in terms of consolidation, uh, that's always an interesting topic uh, that can add value to the different companies. Uh, and as we see here, 
uh, on the chemical tank of fleet, there is definitely a fragmented asset ownership and control, especially on the coated fleet. Uh, so, so then uh, handing the word to you, Axel, what, what do you think stands in the way for, for consolidation happening or, or, or what are your views on consolidation for the segment in general? You're on mute. Axel, you're on mute. There we go. Sorry. We very much believe in the power of consolidation to get an increased market share and to get better bargaining powers to the to the cargos. We also believe in expanding the markets and uh, both geographically with trade opportunities and cargo access, and also in, in sizes. So we do believe that it's a, it's a very uh, valid way to go forward for a company who wants to, to uh, increase in size and increase in its importance and to get the increased efficiency and thereby the increased yield. And those are the two key uh, uh, focuses that everybody has had, that we need to increase the efficiency of the fleet in the market, and we need to increase the yield and then the, pr the prices uh, will uh, come after, the share prices will come after, and the discounts will go down. It's, uh, so for Christiania, we believe that uh, it uh, has good uh, sense to go for a listing, even though we are small and have, have uh, older vessels, we are giving a good yield even in, even in this uh, lousy market. So we believe by being listed, we should offer possibilities for other uh, ship owners with similar focus on increased values and efficiencies that we could uh, go together and, uh, and improve on, on these things. So, so from Christiana's point of view, we would like to try to, to get listed, to be active in the consolidation and to bring uh, people of same minds together and to increase the efficiencies and the yield and the valuations. Very good, thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Axel. And, and Hans, uh, moving the word over to you, uh, what do you think is, is sort of benefits of consolidation and, and why, why are we not seeing more of it if it's uh, potentially positive for, for companies? Well, what um, Hansa Tankers has been doing since we started 10 years ago with three ships belonging to one owner that has all been a long tour of consolidation, bringing it now up to 10 different owners and 46 uh, ships. And uh, that has worked out uh, very well. We um, defined early what uh, was going to be our uh, strategy and, and plan in, in terms of tonnage, in terms of what we wanted to focus on. And we have been sticking to that uh, plan in spite of uh, other tempting possibilities that uh, has showed up uh, along the, those days or years. Um, it is important, though, that if there shall be a consolidation, it, it uh, leaves the managers with, uh, with a high responsibility and a high integrity of operating ships uh, for others. Uh, I think it is very important that uh, one that should run a, a company that is consolidated uh, between uh, other owners uh, also have uh, their own skin in the game so that they are focusing then on, uh, on earning money for themselves at the same time as they're earning for, for others. Um, but uh, yes, uh, we fully support the, the 
need for further consolidation, but uh, it has to be uh, done in a proper way. And, and, and the consolidation, they have to aim to, to stay for long, to stay over time and not just uh, jump in and out uh, in accordance to the market swinging. Uh, that doesn't uh, really help in the long term of, uh, of the uh, uh, way to, to raise the, the profitability of the chemical tanker segment. Thank you. Thank you, Hans. Uh, thank you for those comments. And, and it's definitely interesting to see what, what happens uh, going forward in, in, in terms of consolidation. And I think that, that brings us to, to the end of the discussion today. Uh, and just as a quick highlight, I think we, we have some attractive uh, demand and supply dynamics in the industry. Uh, the valuation, there's definitely upside in both asset values and companies' values. Uh, and I think there is room for, uh, for consolidation. Uh, sector optimization, as we touched upon, in terms of digitalization, customer focus, and and also discipline to increase the earnings potential in in general, and also uh, increase valuation. So I think companies are responsible to help optimize the industry in order to obtain sustainable returns and position themselves to to maintain sector leadership in a potential upturn. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for dialing in today. And thank you very much to the panel for, for this discussion. And I would like to add my own thanks to uh, you, Christopher, for the expert moderation and, of course, to all our top-level panelists for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Bye. -bye